you literally just have to show up and you just have to be honest and you have to listen. And there are times where as a black woman, I had to speak and there were times that I had to listen. And I think that was the most powerful thing, thing that voice taught me that there's not always going to be a platform for me to speak, but there's always going to be a platform for me to listen and to help. That is India Woods, a fourth year veterinary student at Auburn. And this is the Vin Foundation's Veterinary Pulse podcast. I'm Jordan Benshia, Executive Director of the Vin Foundation. Join me and our co-host and Vin Foundation board member, Dr. Matt Holland, as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics and share stories. Stories that connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible by individuals like you who donate to the VIN Foundation. Thank you. Please check the episode notes for bios, links, and information mentioned. Welcome, India. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Well, we're really excited to have you here. And let's dive in. Give us a little bit of um, history on you. Where were you born and raised? And let us in on, on your life. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so <laughs> I was born and raised in Mobile, Alabama. Very proud Mobile, Alabama native. Um, we <laughs> are the home of Mardi Gras, no matter what anyone from New Orleans says. Um, yeah, and I, I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian since I was maybe like four or five years old, before I could even pronounce the word accurately. Um, I didn't really pursue that until college. I kind of, I don't know. I didn't really see too much representation when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. in college, I kind of made a list of things that I really wanted to be. Like I made this random list of like nursing and um, a dolphin trainer and a veterinarian, just random things like a stunt double. And then finally I looked at that list and I was like, you know, I think being a veterinarian would be it for me. Like that would be a childhood dream. That would be something that I would just be so happy to be because I love animals. So mm-hmm. all through college, um, decided to go to Auburn and have loved it ever since. I'm a fourth year at Auburn. Very, very excited to graduate, but very, very sad to leave pretty soon. Um, but my main goal in vet med is just to keep making connections, keep being vulnerable and transparent about my journey and what it's like to be a woman in medicine and a, a black woman in medicine and just connect through you know, transparency and vulnerability. So I love that. And you said you wanted to decide or you decided sort of when you were like four, is that right? Yeah. So my mom so said, what was it when you were four that had you at least put the veterinarian on your list later, but you know, how was that defining moment for you? I honestly have no idea. And that's the <laughs> funny part. My mom says I randomly came home for school and I told her, I was like, I want to be a veterinarian. And of course, I didn't pronounce it that well. I probably said I want to be a veterinarian or something weird. <laughs> but she said, since I was like four years old, that's when I said it for the first time. And I never wavered from that. And she told me that recently. She told me that like around my white coat. And she was just saying, you know, I'm so proud of you. I don't know where that came from. But you've mm-hmm. always loved animals. You always had this spark that came around when you were around a dog or a cat or anything. And I'm just proud that you stayed true to that. And I told her, I was like, I am very passionate about finding a career that I will find joy in 
And for me, vet med was the only thing that I could think of that did that. Mm-hmm. So I think little India at four year old at four years old just knew something that I didn't <laughs> know now. Um, but I'm glad she stuck to that for sure. So then you're in undergrad and you make this final list and you decide for sure veterinarian. Tell us your journey to veterinary school. Did you go directly after undergrad? Did you how did that work for you? So it was a crazy journey for sure. Um, So I went to the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Um, And for those not familiar with UAB, it is a heavy medical school. Um, So I was surrounded by pre-med students, um, pre-pharmacy students, people that wanted to be chemists and engineers, but not really so much anyone that wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, And with that, there wasn't really a animal science program at UAB. So I studied, I started off studying psychology um, and then right when I was about to graduate, like that last semester, I was just sitting in my bed and I was like something, I should just go ahead and complete all my um, requirements to get also get a biology degree to make it easier to get in vet school. So I literally took 18 hours of straight biology in one semester just to finish that second degree. Um, and right after I graduated vet school, I was like, okay, I have a little bit of experience. I've worked at a few different um, vet clinics and I worked at the Humane Society and I worked at the zoo. Um, but let me try to get like a big girl job um, after school for a couple of years before I apply to vet school. Just, you know, earn a little bit of money, understand what it's like um, to be an adult in a sense. And mm-hmm. it's a, a better um, animal experience. Mm-hmm. So I applied for a research job at UAB and it was in a cloning lab with pigs. And oh, my gosh. <laughs> I absolutely love that job. It was it was, I learned so much. I got to do help with like C-sections and embryo transfers, but it was just a fun experience because I had no large animal experience before that prior to horses. Um, and I think that's one thing that I push in vet med, like don't be afraid to try anything because you can learn different things so quickly and you'll learn that, you know, I like this or I don't like this, or I like this one aspect of that. And for me in research, I loved the hands-on. I didn't more so like the cells and the culturing, but I love the hands-on. So for me, mm-hmm. that pushed me to vet school even more. So I applied um, after working a year in research. I applied to vet school, got accepted, finished my second year in research, went to Auburn and have just kind of found my niche in small animal and exotic medicine. I still, I'm absolutely crazy about pigs. Still love pigs. <laughs> that I have like some pot belly patients in the future, but Yeah, I think that journey through UAB and not having a foundation of animal science just taught me about um, just finding your way no matter what you have in front of you and overcoming adversity and just being open to try different things and just making your own path. Mm -hmm. I know you're really active on campus. And one of the things you've shared with me that you're active in is with a leadership role with voice, which is veterinarians as one inclusive community for empowerment. Can you share with us a little bit about that organization, how you got involved and the types of things you guys are doing? Yeah, of course. Um, So as a first year, I had a roommate that was kind of still is like a mentor to me. And she was heavily involved in voice. Um, And she told me to go to the national conference kind of network, meet other students, other underrepresented students around the country that are also interested in, you know, increasing diversity, equity, and inclusion in vet med. So I did that and it was a very small and intimate conference and something about voice just made me very passionate about just showing up as myself and representing other students. 
Um, so at that conference, I just willy-nilly decided, hey, I'm going to apply to be the national vice president. And I got it. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I just joined this team of people who were just very passionate about, you know, allowing everyone to have a voice and allowing everyone to show up as themselves in vet med and not to be ashamed of that. So after my first year in voice as national vice president, I then went on to be national president, national co-president with Kelly Hewitt. Um, Kelly, I miss you very much. I never got to see her in person, but she's a great person. Um, and as national co-presidents, we did a lot. Um, that's when COVID happened. So everything shifted to virtual. We had a lot of opportunities to just partner with with groups like VBMA um, and so many different groups that just allowed us to have conversations that were needed. Mm-hmm. Um, we had conversations for so many different groups within VetMed. And I think voice just taught me that you don't have to know everything about diversity, equity, inclusion. You literally just have to show up and you just have to be honest and you have to listen. And there are times where as a black woman, I had to speak and there were times that I had to listen. And I think that was the most powerful thing thing that voice taught me that there's not always going to be a platform for me to speak, but there's always going to be a platform for me to listen and to help. And I think mm-hmm. if that's one thing I would push about voice is join your local voice chapter and just listen and engage and help where you can and understand that diversity, equity and inclusion is about including everyone and have given a voice to everyone and allowing people to learn about different backgrounds and different cultures that they might not be exposed to or different identities and different sexual orientations or whatever that is. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it would absolutely benefit our profession if we all just walked into that that mindset of, you know, I'm here to, to change. Yeah, you touched on a few things there. One thing that you said that uh, really stood out for me was that it's about listening to everyone, right? And and giving everyone a voice because sometimes I think that it's it's easy during movements to just really focus on our voice is the right voice versus really welcoming a conversation. Right, yeah. And it seems that what you're talking about is really welcoming a conversation to hear, um, you know, you don't learn things when you talk, right? But we learn things when we listen. <laughs> and, and, and there's a, there's huge benefit in that. And, and I really like what you were saying about just showing up, engaging, but being willing to listen and, and, and learn those lessons while you're there and that nobody knows it all. Right. I mean, it's good. (laughs) Yeah. And definitely how you listen is so important, too, because I feel like Mm -hmm. sometimes now we listen on defense, like we're ready to be like, okay, I can't wait for this person to be quiet so I can share my opinion. But come to a conversation and say, you know, I'm not here on offense or defense. I'm here to just have an open heart and hear what you have to say and hear about your experience and hope that that plants a seed in me to look at the world and at people differently. Um, and I think if we just had that perspective, not to be combative with each other, not to be, you know, on one side or the other, but to literally just have respect and show respect, then that would make a huge change for a lot of people. That's very true. And I really like what you said there. That's showing up and having that respect and not being combative. But I really like what you said when you said that most people listen defensively. And that's so true. If we can all just take a step back and know that we really have no idea what's going on in other people's lives, right? And 
I mean, the range is vast and especially over the last year and a half, but just in general, if we are able to come out of this and be kinder and be more caring and thoughtful and willing to listen and less combative, I think that sets everybody up for success. (laughs) Absolutely. I agree. So what are some of the changes that you hope to see in the veterinary profession that's come out of your experience from voice? Oh, that's, that's tough. That's tough because there's so much. Um, I think one of my most impactful talks that I listened to had to do with um, the deaf and hard of hearing community. I don't feel like in vet med, we talk enough about students and vets and veterinary supportive staff who um, experience disabilities and so many different things that we just don't know about. And I, I feel like our our profession can be more accommodating in those areas. And the only way that we can learn to be more accommodating and make change is by giving people who have those disabilities a platform to speak. Um, so that I think that would be the main thing that I've recently learned about that I would love to see FedMed to shift towards and also continue to uplift the many communities that are now blossoming within VetMed and giving them a continuous platform and giving them the resources they need to make the change that they want to make. Yeah, that's that's interesting because a lot of times when you hear phrases like DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or um, other sort of hot topics that have become hot topics recently, um, that they it tends to it's it's nice to see that that I, I like how you're including disabilities in there because those challenges are pretty are really vast, right? Right. And I don't think that it's a problem to say, you know, as a minority, as a black woman, I want to create a space or allow a space for um, people experience disabilities, even though I personally don't have any. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the largest thing about diversity, equity, inclusion. You meet people from so many different backgrounds, but we're always going to advocate for each other. I'm heterosexual, but I'm always going to advocate for people that are do identify as LGBTQIA. And that's just because I love them and I respect them and they deserve just as much of a safe space in this profession as I do as a black woman. So I think the biggest thing about voice that I love is that it is seriously a melting pot, but it's a melting pot full of love and respect and upliftment. And that's just one thing that I know for sure um, that I'm going to carry throughout my career because of voice. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the relationship you see through voice or through your experience as a veterinary student between diversity, equi- equity, inclusion, um, physical, mental disabilities, challenges, and how those things tie to mental health? Absolutely. Um, it's... It's one of those things where if you don't feel like you can show up as yourself, you're never going to be able to fully be yourself. And Mm -hmm. being yourself is one of the biggest things that affects mental health. I know from my personal experience at Auburn, as an African-American student and as a woman and as a Black woman, I struggled with being one of the few minorities in my class. Um, There was a lot mentally that I had to deal with um, on both sides of being in a space full of 
white people and knowing that I want to translate a profession that is predominantly white to people of color, because there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of like discrepancies in vet med in the black community, just because we don't have veterinarians that are doing the job that needs to be done to communicate in a way that minority um, clients can understand. So I think going back to your question, it's all about how you're allowed to show up. If I'm not able to be myself and I feel like I have to constantly hide who I am, that's going to wear and tear on my mental mental health. That's going to mm-hmm. affect me as a student. I'm not going to be as um, academically successful as I want to be. I'm not going to be the best veterinarian if I always feel like I have to put on this mask and not show my true colors because my true colors is, is what makes me who I am. Allowing myself to be funny and jokative and talk about my hair and talk about my family, like that makes me who I am and that makes me a better person and a better veterinarian. And if I have to hide that, and so many students do feel like they have to hide that, they're not able to be the best that they are. And they're honestly already hurting themselves in the long run because they're not going to fully pursue their career um, as open heartedly as they would hope to. What advice would you give to somebody that might be listening to this and feel that they they want to show up? They they want that community. They want that sense of belonging, but they are hesitant to do so. They're hesitant to be vulnerable. They're hesitant. They don't, and they don't know what it means to show up as themselves because identity, I think, for a lot of people, gets really confusing and. Um, and especially when you're amongst a group of other people and with COVID, so many people have spent so much time alone. Mm-hmm. So what sort of advice would you give somebody that wants to engage, but is just a little trepidatious about that first step? Um, I would absolutely say just quiet out the world, like just quiet it mm-hmm. out. Close your ears to everything that does not allow you to be your best self. And that may shut a lot of people off. That might shut a lot of opportunities off, but that opens you up to excel in the life that you only have one of. Mm -hmm. Um, And absolutely seek out the community that you feel like you're a part of. There are so many amazing African-American vets in this profession that I have been able to find only because I I sought for them. And Mm -hmm. reach out to them. I try to follow them on Instagram from my doctor page, or I try to message them and say, Hey, I needed this, or I love this. And it's, it's really allowed me to open myself up as a student and to show up unapologetically because there's already so many African-American vets that are doing that. So I would absolutely say, you know, seek out that community that you're looking for because they will absolutely empower you in a way that you will absolutely need. That's great. I, I really like that. And having the courage to seek it out. That's hard for a lot of people, right? But I mean, the answer is no to 100% of the questions you don't ask, right? So, <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times where I wasn't very courageous about who I wanted to be, it was because I felt like I had something to prove or something like someone else's expectation to live up to. Mm-hmm. And that person, Nine times out of 10 isn't paying you as much attention as you think they are. Right. How dare you give someone else control over the life that you are working so hard for, the life that 
you only have claims to and that you're only going to live like it, it was it's not fair to you. And I honestly think everyone is so special in their own way that they deserve to have a very fulfilling life. And you can only do that by taking tiny, tiny steps of courage. I'm not saying, you know, just go out there and saying this is who I am, but just take those tiny, tiny steps of what you feel is allowing you to be yourself. And for me, that tiny, tiny step I did a few months ago was starting my personal Instagram. Like, I don't know why it, it took me years to do that. Cause I told myself, I don't want to be like an influencer. I don't want to like share too much. I feel like I overshare, but my mm-hmm. sister highly encouraged me to do it. And I've taken tiny steps with every single po- post. And there are times where I'm like, Oh, I shouldn't be sharing this. Or I have anxiety. Like, Oh, that's a terrible picture. But at the end of the day, I'm very proud of like the steps that I'm making through something that's so small as Instagram, because it's allowing me to, to show up as myself every single day and connect with people who are also experiencing the same things that I am. Mm-hmm. Things that months ago, I was like, no one else is experiencing this. No one else is dealing with anxiety in vet school and ready to drop out every second that they have a chance to, or struggling with being older than their classmates or struggling with like, not really liking surgery. So there's people out there that you can connect to. You just have to, you know, find them and seek them and build your, your happiness around that. Yeah, it's really true that we are the Vin Foundation's Vets for Vets Confidential Support Group. We say, you know, you're not alone because everybody that comes in and looks for help or reaches out for help feels that whatever their situation is, that nobody else is in that exact situation. And that it's exactly. just it, not that it doesn't feel horrific and that not that there's not validity there. But I assure everyone, every single one of our listeners, if you're going through it, somebody else has been through it already. And and you are not alone in feeling these things. And I really applaud you, India, and just what you're saying, those little steps of courage and you know, you take one, you hold that ground and then you take a little bit more and it's every day showing up for yourself. And I think also as you do that, you find that that becomes sort of part of your mantra as well. And it gets easier to show up for yourself and easier to, you know, brave those little bits of courage. And, and then you can continue to push your comfort zone boundary further and further out. Right. Absolutely. Completely agree. (laughs) So we try to keep these somewhat short so that our listeners will listen to the whole thing, ideally. (laughs) Do you have a secret talent or something you enjoy doing that others might not know about? I love the answers we get on these because they're almost never what we think. (laughs) I absolutely love to snorkel. See? Never would have guessed that. How would we know that? (laughs) I hear that a lot, but it's one of those things where I don't get to do it enough only because of my location, my finances. Of course, I'm a broke student, but also because of being in school. So I have so far, my best snorkeling experiences have been with manatees in Crystal River um, and lobster diving in the Keys. But I really, really, really want to snorkel with sharks, but no one will do them it with me. Like no one, like not even my dad who does almost everything with me. So if anyone out there wants to snorkel <laughs> with sharks, just let me know. And we're gonna do That's this. an open call right there. <laughs> right there. I'm going to be terrified. We're going to be terrified together, but we're going to make it happen. Well, snorkeling with sharks. There you go. We never would have expected Absolutely. to hear that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I actually also am a huge fan of snorkeling and that's something that you can, you know, you can go snorkeling and just be under the water and just gone. It's just in a totally different world. It's amazing, right? It is. It's like, to me, it relates so much to my anxiety because in, when I'm in the ocean, I don't have time for anxiety. I literally mm-hmm. release everything because if I panic, I, I will not stay afloat. Like it's not going to happen. So mm-hmm. I just have to breathe, stay calm. And no matter what is passing, like a manatee one time, like was up in my face, like almost nose to nose. And I was like, India, breathe. breathe. <laughs> it's a very docile animal, but those things are huge. So mm-hmm. I think snorkeling teaches me every day to just breathe and release and like just enjoy that beautiful surrounding that I'm always in, like beautiful. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely hope to be able to do that more after school for sure. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i actually a backyard beekeeper. And I feel that way when I deal with the beehives because they, um, so if, if you increase the speed in which you're breathing, then you release more carbon dioxide and they re- they react to that and they get more aggressive. And so it's really a lesson of, I have my suit on, but it is, a, you know, my bee suit on, but it is a lesson in just breathing very calmly and you're instantly transported into this phenomenal ecosystem that they have, which just blows ours away uh and it's incredible and it's that feeling so very similarly i've never thought about it similarly to snorkeling but i can see that the similarities there yeah that's so cool jordan i did that one time and that's one of those things where you kind of just like i'm gonna let the professionals (laughs) for one time but constantly like that that's really cool okay so if you could leave the audience with one thing what would that be huh that's a that's a heavy hitter. Um, <laughs> it can be multiple things, and and you know we'll probably do more podcasts with you, you know episodes with you, but just for this conversation. Um, I don't. You know what? I'm just gonna be cheesy and just say, just be vulnerable and transparent. I mm-hmm. I I honestly think that is like woven in my DNA, and it's one of those things where I'm like, man, sometimes I share too much. Sometimes I'm too transparent, but. No, like every, it's been so rewarding the little few months that I've invested in just being more transparent and open about who I am and my experience as a vet student and my experience as a pre-vet student and my fears of, of being like a future vet. So honestly, I would just say just be more honest and open and transparent just so that we can continue to support each other in this profession and have a happier profession and have a profession that's committed to allowing people to show up as themselves. I love that. Being vulnerable for me personally has been something that I've really struggled with. And I made a huge shift a few years back and it's changed everything, right? Because it's that willingness. And that's one of the reasons I, you know, I started this podcast is because I just thought, you know, like we are only able to, um, only able to really connect if we are able to open up and be vulnerable, you know, and, and that's the like the mother load of all of it is like the ability to connect as humans together happens when we are willing to take off that, you know, face, quote unquote, that everybody sees, although I guess no one's seen it for a year and a half, but roughly um, <laughs> But you know, when we are able to step back and, and allow ourselves to be vulnerable and be transparent, because we all have, as we were saying earlier, people have gone through very similar things. And through that, we are able to really connect. Okay. And 
through our stories. And that was sort of one of our goals with this podcast is to be able to like share moments of vulnerability in ways that we can help each other and help colleagues to, you know, improve and be happier and feel connected. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for just doing this podcast with me and so many other professionals. And I wish y'all so much success in the future. And I can't wait to continue to listen to all the amazing people that y'all are going to have on. Oh, you're so sweet, India. Well, I am just so grateful that you've come on to this, you know, podcast and taking your time. The most important thing we have in this life is our time. And so thank you for spending your time with us. We really are grateful. Of course. It's been fun. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Veterinary Pulse. Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. Thank you for being here. Be well.